Welcome to another edition of the Doves Hub Podcast. I'm Thomas here with Chris. Um, we're recording this Tuesday, May 9th, so the day after the Warriors lose Game 4 and go down 3-1 to one to the Lakers. Um, so I'm just going to kick it right off, Chris. How are you feeling, man? Are you holding up okay? Because, oh man. Yeah, we were uh, scheduled to do the podcast after the game last night, but uh, once it ended, you and I just texted each other and be like, yeah, we got to wait till tomorrow. There was just no yeah, way. Yeah, we, we need a rain gonna, check. Yeah, there was no way we were going to get through it last night. Oh, it was. I was down bad. I was down bad, doom scrolling Twitter, um, going through all the worst case scenarios in my head, like we trade Steph this off season and Joe Lacob sells the team to the Oakland A's owner and they move to like Vancouver or something. Okay. I was, I was down right. atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's more down than I was, but yeah, it was definitely a rough night. I mean, what, what had to be so rough is that I truly thought we were going to win. I mean, before the game, I put money on the game throughout the game. It was close, but you know, we were up 10 at certain points in the second half up seven Mm -hmm. starting the fourth and it just felt like the type of game the Warriors have always won throughout the past like years we've been watching them so that's what led to it just being such a devastating loss yeah it 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 kind of was uh I had mixed feelings throughout the game because Steph was clearly locked in and that's what you expect in a game for very important game like this you know he's gonna bring it he's one of the most competitive players I've ever seen but on the other hand, other players weren't hitting shots, which is usually what you see from a championship contending level team when their backs are against the wall on the road. Someone, like one or two of the uh, unsung heroes on the team steps up, uh, and it just didn't happen in Game 4. I mean, Steph was only 3 of 14 for 3, which I don't think anyone would have expected but he was getting into the paint. He was getting to the rim. Uh, he was drawing out Anthony Davis on those pick and rolls, and he was locked in. I mean, he had a triple-double, 14 assists. You could tell. He, I mean, it was a masterpiece, right? really, besides the shooting. And, but no one else stepped up for him. And that's just, it, it was so disappointing to watch that. Yeah, and you just kept waiting because Steph was making the right plays the entire night. I mean, I think he had 10 assists, like, not even before halftime was over. So he was just making the right plays to start off the game. I thought, honestly, Gary had a good start to the game. Starting him um, oh, yeah. made sense for what they wanted to do. He was 7 of 9 tonight from the field. Really the only person that shot well, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, was also 4 of 6. But, yeah, man. I mean, we could single him out. Like, Poole obviously had a terrible game. 0 of 4, only 10 minutes he's a person that the Warriors rely on to create offense when you know it's needed he wasn't there Clay was three of 11 just missed some open shots as well as took some terrible shots throughout the game uh, especially towards the end of the game which we'll get into and even Wiggins I mean six of 14 is not horrible but in the fourth quarter we really needed someone else to create offense and he only took two shots which were both wide open threes and missed both so yeah, definitely pretty disappointing from everyone else other than Steph tonight or last night. 
Yeah, I mean, Draymond had an okay game, but then he had the worst turnover of the season. I don't last even night. put that on him, though. Right. Yeah, I know the Lakers blew up that play, but um, and it was he, also he just, a terrible play. Call, I thought. Right, you got to get the ball into Steph's hands. I mean, hundred percent. We we agree on that type of like ethos and strategy for coaching. Steve Kerr has had some success using Steph and Clay as a decoy in the past, but it's just your back's against the wall. Put the ball in a generational player's hands and let him see if he can make something happen. Exactly. I mean, and at least in that scenario, like the worst case scenario is that they'll miss a shot what what happened with that play is we didn't even get a shot right draymond was out of control and then passed to wiggins for like a deep two and just went right in anthony davis's hands it was oh man that was just a back back breaking play from at least me last night when i saw that i was like man well we were already in a hole you know i think we were down three points at that point yeah so we needed a three uh, after Honest, a couple, I mean, there was still like 15 seconds right, left. Right, right. You could have so. played that game for sure. I think they would have gone for a three. That's their. That's the Warriors' strength. That's what they like to do. That play was drawn up to to get Clay a three in the corner, and yeah, it just right they, in the, the right in the hot hand. <laughs> Seriously, he. So you you mentioned earlier. You said something like he, we were waiting. Uh, in a games like this, you're. I was waiting for Clay or Wiggins to hit a couple of big shots. Those guys are championship players. They've done it before. I thought one of the two were going to hit a few big shots to push us over the top. Clay hit that one corner three with maybe two minutes left. And I thought, oh, this is it. He's he's going. He's yeah. the one who is going to get those open looks that Steph draws uh, with the double teams He he's drawing up top. He's going to make the right pass, and it's going to be Clay in the corner hitting a couple of big shots. The opposite happened. Clay, I think Clay said, oh, he hit that three, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm locked in. <laughs> and started taking, he took two of just the most awful shot shots I've ever seen. I mean, like, seriously, they were so bad. Yes. Contested, plenty of time on the clock, rushed. Okay, worst shots I've ever seen is a little aggressive, but it, it felt that way in the moment, right? Where it's like, what are you doing? We can get a good look. We're going to win this game. And and they were just complete momentum killers. And we've seen this happen before with the Warriors where they've kind of, in stressful situations, just fallen in love with the three. Um, yeah. I mean, the prime example This year is, in particular. Yeah, this year for sure. But... Like another high stress situation, I think of was Game Seven in 2016, where Steph had Kevin Love on the switch, yeah, and just like settled for like a 30 foot step back when he could have driven. The same possession before, um, Steph had two chances against Anthony right. Davis. He he shot the first one, which looked good. I thought it was Bare- a good look. I know, yeah, that one was a good look. Barely. Barely missed, just hit the front of the rim. But Draymond got the rebound, kicked it back out to Steph. And then he took an even deeper step back three, and that one wasn't really close. And then... I mean, it's Steph. I'm not going to complain about a three-point shot where, where he can get it off, but we didn't need a three in that moment, and he had a big man on him. I know it's Anthony Davis, who's a great defender, but you just got to take him to the hole and make him make him work. 
and that, we had, and that was we had working like 10 more seconds night. on the shot clock yeah it was working all night yeah so yeah it was pretty pretty rough uh i mean imagine if that one went down though oh yeah i mean if if one of those shots goes down we're talking about uh, that's the thing with the playoffs it's just the narrative switch so crazy like yeah the, the margin of error is so thin and the discourse after this game is like oh steph you know blew the game oh the warriors are done but if Steph hit that three, they'd be like, oh, dang, Steph had a triple-double with 15 assists and came into L.A. to even up the series like, yeah. go, with a chance to go back and take the lead. It's just such thin know. margins. A- anyone, who, anyone who's honest and watched the game knows that Steph was completely locked in and the rest of the team couldn't pull it together. No. Some I mean, who the- would you even say were the, like you know, second, third, fourth best players if you had to rank them from the game today? Um, I think the second best was Draymond. His first half in particular was very good. His defense all night uh, was fantastic. I think you mentioned it already. Gary Payton had a pretty good game. He started in place of Jermichael Green after the Warriors got blown out in game three, writing that Jermichael Green lineup. And it wasn't his fault we got blown out, but... Steve Kerr wanted to make some adjustments, go smaller, go with a defender yeah. who could who could disrupt some of the action that D'Lo and, and a little bit Schroeder was causing in Game 3. So I thought those were the two guys who had solid games. But if you're only getting good games from your defenders, which, you know, Gary Payton and, let's be honest, Draymond at this point, they're, they're like defense, defensive specialists. I mean, Draymond is an offensive genius in his own way, but not scoring the ball. Yeah. So we just couldn't get points from anyone else. Dante hit a couple of threes. He was fine. He finally looked alive, although in the in the past I thought he was playing okay. He just wasn't hitting any shots. But no one else could hit a shot. I mean, Wiggins, no. yeah, Clay only shot 11 times in the entire game, which is surprising for Clay. He usually is able to get better looks Wiggins shot 14 times neither of them were efficient so that that was really the game right there and not not to mention Poole who has completely disappeared Kerr doesn't trust him at all he looks completely lost out there he's turning the ball over he's a cone on defense he's taking bad shots it's it's atrocious and he I don't know I just want to say real quick on Twitter and you can tell just in the NBA discourse right now, Jordan Poole is getting dragged through the mud. I've, I've not been a huge Poole supporter since he came into this league and was on the Warriors. I thought he was sort of an offense-only player, which he still clearly is. But even one offensive player who is streaky and a little bit inefficient and can get uh, out of hand, he goes too fast sometimes for his own good and creates problems doesn't have the same level of basketball IQ as any of the core guys, including Wiggins and some of these other guys. So it's just, um, it's, it's disappointing from him, but I do, I do think it's gone a little too far with some of the stuff I'm seeing out there. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points. One thing that I just kind of want to take from what you said is what I think has been, a flaw with this roster this entire year is that we have a lot of one-dimensional players um Hmm. 
like for example, like you said, Gary is a defensive specialist. Draymond at this point isn't really an offensive threat. Um, you know, Poole is offense only. Kind of same with like Lamb and Kaminga. I don't know. It's just tough, especially when you know we haven't been able to find a consistent fifth person to put out there. It's like, do yep. you choose defense with Gary? Do you choose offense with Poole? Do you take a chance with Moody because you know he can sort of defend, sort of rebound, sort of hit shots? I don't, you know, it's just, do you take a chance with Jermichael Green? He's not even a good defender. I would say he's mostly a one-way type of player with his offense, yeah. but that's not always even there. So it's just, it's tough, man. That fifth spot really gets exposed in the playoffs. Um, it, 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 during the regular season, it was Dante, but he's been so inconsistent in the playoffs. That's been a huge loss. Yeah, it really it's has. Al- it also is frustrating for, uh, looking back at the regular season, the lack of minutes that Moody was given and the lack of opportunity because Moody can be both an offensive threat with his three-point shooting, which is good, and offensive rebounding. And on defense, he you know rebounds on defense. He has long arms he can get in the passing lanes and, and make some things happen. So his lack of playing time all year is also frustrating because of that. So it's, it's completely accurate what you're saying. Yeah, it's just it's really frustrating to see how this year went just because we're in the playoffs. And I don't know if it was like the coaching staff and front office, like trying to prove a point to the front office or what whatever it was. It's been such a weird year. But Moody's kind of like the sixth – person I trust the most on this team right now just because he knows when to just like pick up the ball and find somebody to pass to as well as like he knows to shoot it when he's open and he rebounds harder than like most people in our offense so I don't know I was I was impressed with him and Gary uh, in this yeah and he was Moody was closing down the stretch too some people were a little upset at that not because they didn't like how moody was playing but because the man we haven't mentioned yet on the lakers lonnie walker completely took over the fourth quarter scoring 15 of his 15 points in the fourth quarter and essentially dare we say sink the dynasty yeah, uh, he was... wasn't he wasn't being defended by gary payton because gary payton was on the bench so that i mean that I was just ridiculous i mean the lakers were hunting switches though really heavily in the fourth quarter i yeah don't i mean lebron on steph happened like 10 times in a row yeah exactly so i don't and lonnie walker on steph happened multiple possessions i mean steph played great defense but lonnie was just pulling up over him so i i see what you're saying but and i see what other people are saying that our defense was kind of failing but i mean we scored 17 points in the fourth quarter when we were up yeah. by a seven and they scored 10 more. So we lost by three. Like, yeah, no, it, it wasn't the defense that, that lost us game four. It was definitely the offense. hundred percent. I mean, yeah, just to put kind of a bow on game four, you know, just rough, a rough way to lose LeBron, LeBron. I mean, D'Lo shot one of 10 Reeves, you know, came along a little later in the game, but didn't have a great game. Um, Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis had a pretty solid game, but you know, nothing crazy like we saw in games, uh, what was it? One and three. So 
Yeah, it was a highly winnable game. So winnable. So that's what makes it frustrating. It's almost more frustrating loss than game three, which we can kind of check into right now. I mean, yeah, not much to talk about here. Um, but I also <laughs> thought this was a winnable game. We, I know we were watching this Hypothetically, together. yeah. I mean, but into the fourth quarter, or the second quarter, yeah, like midway in, we were up in the game and then they called i can't really remember but they called like yeah we were, two we were bad, up 11 we were yeah, up by and they 11 called points. like two bad fouls um and i'm not blaming it on the foul calls because you know we obviously played a terrible game turned the ball over a lot but i feel like we were just mentally weak in this game we let kind of some things throw us off our rhythm and then the lakers just never looked back from when we kind of let them back in the game i guess like question for you how would you describe how the refereeing in game three had an impact on the game because i have my thoughts but i want to i want to expand on that point you just made i just think the warriors are used to things not being called against them like for example draymond screens looney screens you know sometimes they're moving sometimes they're not but those usually don't get called um and those are frustrating to get in the playoffs as well as the Lakers do a really good job of, you know, flopping and, and selling the contact. And yeah. I think that really no frustrated our team, as well as Draymond picking up his second foul really quick in the game. Um, yeah. Just took away the aggressiveness that we had for our team. Exactly. Like, for example, yeah. in game two, when, when we won, Draymond was so aggressive on defense everywhere, being really physical with AD. And then once he gets multiple fouls, that just goes away. And then the Lakers just built a momentum that we couldn't stop and the game slipped away from us. But yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, well, so I guess if people haven't looked at the stat sheet for that game three, the notable line is, is fouls or or actually even more so free throws. The Lakers shot 37 free throws to the Warriors 17. And at one point is even worse than that. The, uh, like the Warriors got maybe seven free throws. He throws in crunch time, or sorry, garbage time. So it was even more of a disparity throughout the game. You could tell from the jump that the refs were not going to tolerate a super physical game in game three. It was so obvious. I mean, they were calling ticky-tack fouls. They were calling flops. And we know that the Lakers are very good at exposing that. They've, they've done it all year. You know, something that people have said is the Lakers drew the most fouls of any team the Warriors drew the least fouls of any team or close to it and the Warriors fouled the most of any team as well so it it was obvious that the Lakers were going to win the free throw advantage but I I just think it just depends how the refs are going to officiate the game and in game three it was obvious they weren't going for a really physical game game four I thought was pretty well officiated they, uh, the, the free throw disparity was only eight. I'll say that, you know, credit to the Lakers. They knocked down 20 of 20 for their free throws. Yeah. So, I mean, good, good for them. They got to the line a bit and you could tell throughout the game too, they were frustrated. They weren't getting the same calls. Yeah. It's, it's what it's, they do. It's kind of confusing in the NBA because I mean, what you're saying is totally true. And even people talk about it before the games even start. It's like, oh, this refing crew usually lets um, the game play, 
you know, a little more physically, whereas there's yeah. other refing crews where, you know, from the jump, they're calling every ticky-tack foul. And it's just pretty annoying that there's no real... It's consist- bad for the league when yeah. when fans know the tendencies of the referees in in each game. And, and when they release who's refing the game, it's like a big news break. Well, That's we, horrible for We were NBA. excited because the ref assignment yeah. dropped and it was Scott Foster, which... He, who's notoriously good for road teams. And it's, that's crazy that we know that. Well, not just that, but he's also notorious for, like, not foul, falling for um, flopping as right. well as, like, calling the game a little more old school, which, which I want, especially versus this Lakers team. But then there's other crews, like, in game one where it's just, like, oh, my God. And, like we said, game three where it's, like, everything is a foul. And how are you just – Getting two fouls on Draymond at the beginning of the game, it's like totally changes the complexity of the game. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah, no, and so the you would think that the Lakers would have the advantage when they call it uh, loosely in terms of you know not not calling a bunch of fouls, letting it be physical because they have the bigger team, right? But yeah. that's not how it is at all. It's the complete opposite because they're so big when the referees are calling fouls, the Lakers just go like head first into the defender and it's a foul on the defender immediately as soon as they like touch their arm with their pinky finger and they get, they get to the line and they knock them down. They're a good free throw shooting team. So they know that that's their advantage when they see the refs refereeing a certain way, when they see that the fouls are breaking up the, the momentum of the Warriors pace, they lean into that so hard. I mean, they're jumping all over the floor and forcing the refs to call it. So I yeah. do think I do think it was a pretty big factor in Game 3. You're absolutely right, though, that the Warriors just came out unserious. They, well, I guess they, they started well. They built an 11-point lead, but there was a turnover where Steph threw it out of bounds because Clay wasn't looking at the ball. That sort of started the snowball of no, yeah, it just was just poor uh, passing and communication and fouling and a, a complete meltdown. It was just a mentally weak game from the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way. Obviously, to there it. there was some things that didn't go their way, but you know, it's the playoffs that happens. You have to be able to be mentally strong, which is surprising because this is a veteran group. But yeah, man, yep. <clears throat> brutal losses. It's it's seeming like game one and game four both were very winnable games for the Warriors. Games yeah, you would expect th- you would expect them to have split the two close games. Hundred percent. I mean, that's and, what we thought when the series yeah. started. Like, we thought it was going to be basically two two coming back to the to home. We thought it was going to split in in San Francisco and split in Los Angeles. And yeah, it was about a jump shot away from that being true. But yep, <laughs> that's the problem with Game Four. It, Things can look really good with 2-2, and things can look awful with 3-1. So here we are, 3-1, yep. coming back to the Bay Area. What's your mind like now a day after um, just kind of thinking through this? Well, I've calmed down, so people don't have to be worried about me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do think this series is not over. The Warriors are not going to lose Game 5. I don't, I don't think I don't see it happening at all. I, in fact, I would bet on a blowout in Game Five. I think the Lakers are 
content with relying on their home court advantage essentially you you could see it once they won once they won game 1 they didn't even try in game 2 really the warriors came out aggressive and took the game but the lakers were willing to roll over ad had a horrible game and he didn't have any energy no. He said, whatever, we got our game here on the road. We're going to go win at home two in a row, and we'll be up 3-1. And that's that's what happened. They they were up 3-1 in the last round against the Grizzlies. It was game six, I think, or maybe it was game five. Game five, yeah. Yeah, game five, sorry, back in Memphis. They just completely rolled over and lost by 30 points, and then they go back to L.A., and they clean it up in six. So I think the Warriors are going to essentially have a blowout in game five. That's what I would guess. Do you th- do you think that LeBron could maybe uh, we all know he's very smart like do you think he could have a different mindset knowing it's the Warriors knowing that there's been two cl- close games that could have been either way like watching that Memphis series from afar since the game one kind of knew that the Lakers were going to win Memphis didn't really have the the size or the firepower to stand a chance with them so they kind yeah. of mailed it in for game five whereas if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm like, why not just try to win game five? We've already won on their home floor. Oh, I, they why should not? try. But yeah. I, I, I also think it's more than just their mind, their, you know, perspective on the series and their frame of mind going into San Francisco. I think it's also that the Warriors played a pretty good game in game four. They just didn't knock down shots. Yeah. They, pretty, their pretty defensive good scheme... Plan. Yeah. yeah, their defensive scheme worked pretty well. They held the Lakers to 104 points. They forced the other guys, not named Anthony Davis and LeBron, to beat them. Although, you know, they combined for, what, 50 points or something like that. You'll live with that, honestly. If Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker carry them to the Western Conference Finals, yeah. Draymond said it on his podcast. Like, you, you kind of have to live with that. And that's a disappointing thing to hear from your player. But it's the truth. I mean, we're we're hoping that our role players step up and carry us there too. It's not you. You literally cannot win a game with one or two guys. Sorry, not no. even a game. You can't win a series with one or two guys completely carrying the load all the way into the finals. That just doesn't happen in in this modern NBA. No. So, I think we had a pretty good game plan defensively, and then on the offensive end, you know, we only scored 101 points, but we found some ways to drag Anthony Davis out of the paint. He was mucking up every, everything in there. We were so scared going inside when he's in there. I mean, people don't even look at the rim when he is standing near it. It's ridiculous. He's been great. Got to give him credit. Uh, But we drag him out in the pick and roll up top. He's floating around above the three point line. Then we have so much space down there. And you know, that's why Gary had 15 points. That's why Steph, you know, scored 31 points, even though he only hit three of 14 from three. So we were getting inside. I think that'll work again. If, you know, if Draymond can stay out of foul trouble and run that pick and roll, pulling Anthony Davis up, no matter who Anthony Davis is guarding, really just put him in the action. They went away from it down the stretch. And that's part of the reason why the offense slowed up in game four. Part of the reason why we lost. I think they're going to look at the tape, get back to it in game five, and just beat it to death. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's do or die here on out. You just ride or die with the Steph Curry pick and roll. I don't see any other way. And I don't, I don't think the coaches are dumb enough to move away from that. No. And the, that was kind of my notes on game five after I was just looking over the, the past two games was 
you know, start small again. That was working. Um, yeah, I liked the starting lineup. Keep Gary yeah, in there. Keep Draymond on AD. And then, you know, shots will fall back home, especially. I'm not I'm not really worried about our offense back at home. Yeah. Um, I would be really, really, really shocked if the Warriors lose game five just on a pride on a pride level, you know. That would be if the Warriors lose game five, we need to have a more serious discussion. 100%. If they lose game six and lose the series, you know, you just got beat. Yeah. You got beat, you some some shots didn't fall. That's just how it goes. But if they lose game five, down three one at home to some tough questions gonna to be asked. A hundred percent. Yeah, we don't even have to dive into kind of <laughs> the repercussions of what will happen if the Warriors lose. No, we'll have plenty of time to yeah, do that. <laughs> there's a lot of content to be made from that going into oh, yeah. the summer and yeah. All I just that. think this series is at this point this series is like uh, almost a one game series and it's game 6. I think whoever game whoever wins game 6 has the better shot of winning the series. I mean, obviously if the Lakers win <laughs> game real? 6 then they do win the series, but if the Warriors win Game Five and then go into LA, steal back home court advantage, win Game Six, Game Seven in San Francisco, I favor the Warriors. Well, that's so, you can look to. I know it's not a perfect example because the home and away teams are flipped, but if you look at that 2016 Finals, the Warriors were up three one. Yeah. You know, Cleveland went um, back. No, we they stole Game Five. Yeah, that was the biggest. Yeah. yeah, and then they went back to Game Six, and you know the Warriors kind of got just plumbled in that because it was a home game. And then you know, boom! You just really have to win the one hard one, and that's what we're talking about with Game Six. So we're right, assuming exactly. they're going to win Game Five, and then it's like, hey, it's a one-game series. We just saw that they can damn near do it. They should have won last night. So yeah, if there's no reason, I mean, there's there's reason to be you know upset a little scared that the season's going to be over but i think you have the right mindset to just look at it game by game and um you know there's still some level of confidence and i hope that the warriors players can at least fake that other than steph curry for a few more <laughs> games you know have some pride have some confidence they need they need some pride i mean you can tell there's some locker room tension Kareth burke was describing it some other reporters were describing it with pool in particular but it's not just him there's some ego in that locker room right now, and it is having an effect on their play and their chemistry as a team, and that's frustrating to see from a championship organization. It's not even oh man, some of these players though need a reality check for their yeah. Ego. I, it's, it's we don't have the time to get into no, that today, but, but yeah. we'll we we can have that convo in the off season too. You know, if you're the Warriors though, you just have to block out the noise and lock in because this is your last shot. Last shot. I was asked before the game, uh, before game four, what, you know, how important this game was to the Warriors. And my response was medium high importance, not, not the top tier, not top level importance, right? It's not a must win, but it's a pretty high level of importance game to win game four. They lost it. But the reason I didn't say it was a must win is because I didn't think it was a must win. The Warriors still are in this, and they have two out of the three games in San Francisco. It's a one-game series in my mind. Game six is the must-win. Then game seven, you take your chances with 
Steph Curry at home. Yeah, 100%. And I feel good with that. I, I even feel good with Steph Curry on the road with his backup against elimination for a game six. I mean, we Absolutely. saw we saw it in game seven in Sacramento put on until they, until they are eliminated. And I see the ESPN notification, the golden state warriors have been eliminated from the playoffs. I'm going to have some level of belief because we've seen it so many times, even during this regular season that was so frustrating with bad losses, blowing leads, you know, all the things we've mentioned. So it's just, it's yeah. in the playoffs. I'm going to trust them until they prove that they can't be trusted anymore. And they, they haven't completely done that yet. <laughs> you may, this podcast, you know, 30 minutes in has me feeling a lot better uh, against their, with their chances of. Let's go. That's here. what so, we do here. Yeah, definitely a very exciting game Wednesday night. Um, I'm sure obviously all Warriors fans are going to be locked in because it's possible it's the last game of the season, but I'm optimistic. You're optimistic. I think we'll be back for a podcast after game five, you know, hopefully some great things to talk about and to preview, you know, what would be the biggest game of the season, obviously, which would be a game six in LA. So, yep. Sounds good. You guys stay locked into our Twitter account, official dubs hub on Twitter, the Substack, uh, the dubs hubs, uh, dot substack.com. We'll be posting the podcast, posting the articles, um, and all that and yeah man just have faith have faith in Stephen curry have faith in the warriors and uh we'll be back keep it rolling let's yeah. go let's go